Jesus said this, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And I want you to pay particular attention to verse number 12 where Jesus said that we ought to rejoice and be exceeding glad because of where our reward is. You have to notice that, the location of the reward. This is a very important principle here to understand from this statement that Jesus is making. He said, great is your reward in heaven. Turn Turn to somebody and say, it's in heaven. Amen. Our reward is in heaven. In other words, our reward, now listen to me, our reward is not tied to things in the earth. What we're going after is not tied to the world. It is in heaven. Our reward is in heaven. So I want to preach for a few minutes here this morning that the best is yet to come. Amen. Amen. Will you help me preach for a few minutes? Will you just nod your head a little bit and not, not, don't let it fall all the way down to where you're snoring. Just nod your head once in a while and say amen. Amen, because our reward is in I'm going to heaven, folks. I don't know if you've made up your mind this morning, but I pray that before we leave this service, your mind is made up, that there's nothing in this world, there's nothing in this earth that is worth living for, that I'm going to heaven. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. And I would just begin here this morning by telling you that some things are worth waiting for. Amen. Some, things, some, some good food is worth waiting for. Amen. You're going to have to wait because lunch is still a few minutes away. It'll be worth waiting for, I hope. Amen. One of my favorite scriptures, one of my favorite stories, I should say, in the Bible is the story of Jacob and Esau, those twins in the scripture. And I suppose I like the story of Jacob and Esau because I'm a twin and I can relate a little bit to them. And maybe when August and Lucius gets a little bigger, they'll be able to relate to Jacob and Esau. But these two brothers, they were, they were a little bit different. In fact, they were a lot different. And uh, Esau was the older of the brothers. And Esau liked to hunt. He liked to, in fact, that's how he survived. Esau would hunt and he would kill things and he would cook it. And that's how he uh, was able to live. But Jacob, the younger brother, he was a man of the field. He survived by the crops that he raised. He would raise things in the field. He would harvest it. And that's what he did to live and to survive. But as many of you know, as the story goes, Esau came in from hunting one day and he didn't find anything to kill. He didn't have anything to come home, bring home and cook. And so he was very hungry and he needed something to eat. But Jacob, his younger brother, was cooking something. And he could smell what his brother was cooking. And so he thought, well, he's my brother. Surely my brother cares about me. Surely my brother loves me. He'll give me something to eat. And so he goes in and he asks his younger brother, Jacob, give me something to eat. And Jacob said, I'm not going to give you anything to eat. He said, come on, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm hungry here. I'm dying. I'm, I'm, about, I'm famished. I'm about to fall over here. Bro, help me out. Give me something to eat. And, and Jacob said, no, I won't give you something to eat, but I'll trade you something to eat. And Esau said, what is it? What do you want? I'll trade you something for something to eat. And Jacob said, Give me your birthright. Esau was the older. He meant what, which he, he, was, he had the birthright, which simply meant that when the, when the inheritance was given out as the oldest son, he was going to get a double portion of what his younger brother was going to get. 
And so here, Jacob was telling his older brother, I'll give you something to eat if you will uh, trade me that birthright. Esau thought about it for a minute. Birthright? I don't know when dad's going to, I don't know when I'm going to be able to inherit that from dad. Uh, I'm hungry today. His focus was on the moment. His focus was on what he could have in that moment, in that day. And he thought, you know, I don't need a birthright now. Um, Sure, Jacob, I'll trade you my birthright. And so they made the deal. Maybe they shook hands or maybe they had some other way that they uh, confirmed their agreement. But Jacob was now the owner of that birthright. And he would later get the blessing from his father, um, Isaac, as Isaac is on his, uh, on his, on his deathbed. He, he blesses his son Jacob instead of Esau. Now, es- uh, Jacob is now the owner of the birthright and the blessing. But Esau made the greatest mistake of his life when he traded for that birthright. When he gave up what could have been and what should have been for the moment in that day, he traded his future away. And it's always amazing what people are willing to trade their salvation for. It's always amazing what people will trade future blessings for in order to have something here and now. Traders and bargain hunters and barters, people looking for a good deal, people looking to to trade up or trade, trade something of value, but... I'm going to tell you this morning that there is nothing greater than the future of the child of God. The best is yet to come. Amen. When it comes to your soul, your soul is not worth compromising the future of your soul for what you can acquire today. Amen. Whatever whatever is tempting you today or whatever you feel drawn to in this life, Today, it's not worth the future of your soul. It's not time to get lazy spiritually, but we need to strive. The Bible says, strive to enter in. Praise the Lord. People that go to heaven are going to be people that want to go to heaven. People that go to heaven are not people that are looking for the easy route or the route that that calls for no commitment. But people that go to heaven are going to be people that have a hunger and a desire. So here's my message to you today. Whatever it takes and whatever you have to do and whatever you have to lay aside to go to heaven, it's going to be worth it. Whatever you have to set aside because you want to obtain heaven, it's going to be worth laying it down. Because Jesus said it this way, What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and he lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I don't know what anybody here today might be clinging to, but you need to lay it down to obtain eternal life. You need to buy the truth and sell it not. Praise the Lord. What are you willing to trade your birthright for? Well, some people want popularity. And some people want money, and some people want pride, and some people want a claim, and they want their 15 minutes of fame. But there is nothing in this life that is worth trading for eternal life. There is no amount of money, there is no level, you listen to me, there is no level of comfort that is worth losing your soul over. There is no level of convenience, there is no kind of pleasure that is worth losing your soul over. There is nothing that would even come close to comparing with what Jesus has in store for His bride 
in eternity. I'm going to heaven, folks. I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. I don't care what the world throws at me. I don't care what the world tempts me with. I'm going to heaven. Praise the Lord. Because eye hath not seen, and ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. So whatever you have to do to get to heaven, do it. Well, I'm just going to live my life and be casual and comfort for the rest of my life. You're a fool. And I don't say that mean or derogatory, but if it's all about your comfort and your convenience, you missed it. There's something greater. Our reward is in heaven. I'm going to heaven. Praise the Lord. Whatever you have to give up to go to heaven, give it up. Praise the Lord. By faith, Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's refreshing. It's always refreshing to see a child of God say, not going to do it. I refuse to be worldly. I refuse to try and fit in. Moses refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter. I refuse to try to fit in with the up-and-coming crowd. I refuse to assimilate into that, that jet set or that, my, that group of people that would make me known and make me popular. It's not worth it, Moses said. Verse 25, Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. It's a choice. Somebody, it's your choice. Nobody's forcing you to be worldly. Nobody's forcing you to live for God. It's your choice. It's a personal choice. No one's making you. And when you understand this morning that the pleasures of sin are just for a season, and you begin to grasp the magnitude of the reward in eternity in comparison, there is really no choice. When you consider that sin will never make you happy for eternity. But our reward is in heaven. So it says in Hebrews 11.26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. It was those greater richer riches than the treasures in Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world. There is greater riches in Jesus Christ than there are in the world. Praise God. It is more important when you begin to weigh the choices, it is more important to understand that there is greater wealth to be obtained in eternity with Jesus than anything we can tie ourselves to in this world. Praise the Lord. When you understand that it's living for Jesus is greater than anything else that the blessings of Jesus are better than fitting in with the world. By faith, verse 27, by faith, He forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for He endured as seeing Him who is invisible. You either choose worldliness or you choose godliness. You either choose eternal things or you choose the temporary things. Praise the Lord. And I'm just going to say it as loud and clear as I can. There is nothing in this world worth tying ourselves to in trade for eternity with Jesus Christ. 
If you have to forsake the world, if you have to lay some things down, it's important that you do it. It is important that you walk away from it. If it's holding you back from living for the Lord, you need to lay it down tonight. This morning, excuse me. You need to set it aside because there is nothing more important than heaven. You hear this preacher. You hear the heart of this preacher. You need to go to heaven. You don't need to be lost. You don't need to be lost. Whoever you are, you do not need to be lost. You need to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. Popularity is not more important than eternity. Having somebody come up and put their arm around you and and say, oh, you're special, is not more important than having Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. It's much more important to hear Jesus say, well done, than to have some coach put his arm around you, oh, you're a good player. It's more important to live for Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. I, I heard... Craig Groeschel say several years ago, he's the pastor of Life Church, probably the biggest constituency of any church in the United States. Life Church is based out of Edmond. And I've, and I've listened to many of his leadership uh, podcasts and different things, but I heard him say one time several years ago, he said, you know, we are, um, we're talking about in our team, we're talking about whether or not we should start uh, a service on Mondays. He said, you know, people are so busy and families are so busy and they're going here and there on the weekends and they just can't make it to church on Sunday. And so we're just really considering having a Monday service so all these people that go to their ball games and all their activities and they're filling their lives up with things on Sunday instead of coming to the house of the Lord, we want them to come to church on Monday because, you know, they're just too busy to make it there on Sunday. And, and I'm not here to criticize Craig Groeschel. He's done some good things but, you know, I scratched, I didn't really scratch, I just thought, you know, that really doesn't surprise me with that. Because of their, their, the way that they operate, and, and again, I'm not criticizing them. Um, that's just their, their MO, so to speak. They are working to attract people, to attract a crowd. Instead of, instead of looking at people in the face and saying, why don't you give up your activities for your Sabbath worship? Why don't you lay some things down so that you can be in the house of the Lord where you need to be on Sunday? Praise the Lord. Because anything that you put ahead of your Sabbath worship is an idol. Anything that you put ahead of your relationship and your walk with the Lord, it is an idol. And idolaters are not going to heaven. Praise God. The world is going that direction, and and I see that. The world is wrapped up in themselves and in their pleasures. of. They are lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. They are lovers of self more than they love God. And we're watching that. We expect the world. But what's more disturbing is when apostolic Pentecostal people begin to follow suit and they begin to wrap their lives around the things of the world and the activities of the world and the sports of the world. It it has become the idol for so many. But I'm going to say it loud and clear this morning. Sports are not more important than Jesus. Sports are not more important than Jesus. Living for the Lord is the most important thing. And when people forsake Jesus for the things of the world, it is their idol worship. Oh, but she said, oh, oh, we're, we're, we're the best. We won. We're the best. You know what? You can win every game until Jesus comes. 
But if Jesus, does, Jesus doesn't say, well done, you've lost. Some of you need to get out before you lose out. You need to get out of the world before you lose out in eternity and seek first the kingdom of God. First is our priority. The kingdom of God is our priority. There are better things ahead. The best is yet to come. I'm going up yonder. I'm going up yonder, folks, to be with the Lord. For which cause we faint not. But though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight and glory. Praise the Lord. If any of us have to go through some kind of physical affliction, it is light compared to eternity. It is but for a moment. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.18, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Praise the Lord, what Paul was saying, and, and if you read 2 Corinthians, it is his most transparent book. Paul lays out more of his personal struggles in the book of 2 Corinthians than he did in any, of his, any other, other of his writings. But he is saying, if I have to suffer physically, if I'm going to get worn out, Physically, the inward man is still going to be renewed day by day. If I have to face affliction that is a part of this life, it is an accepted fact of life. He said, I'm building a greater weight in the life to come. He said, what is seen is temporary, but what I'm after is yet to be revealed. So here's my admonition to you folks today. Do the math. Weigh it out. Do I have to endure a little bit of discomfort so I can enjoy the reward tomorrow? It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it all. Praise the Lord. And I'll just be frank with you here today. I don't know anybody personally that has had to endure any level of severe persecution or physical beatings for the, for the cause of Jesus Christ. I've read about them, and I know it's happening in parts of the world, but personally, I don't know anybody that has personally had to endure any kind of physical beatings or severe persecution because of their faith. But what I do know is there are a lot of people that are inconvenienced to live for the Lord. There's a lot of people that are inconvenienced to live for God. And a physical inconvenience should not be the thing that stands in our way from our prayer life, that prevents us from praying. A physical inconvenience should not be something that hinders us from doing the work of the Lord. A physical inconvenience should not be something that keeps us from being faithful to worship and gathering with God's people. I'm going to tell you today that any time you decide to do something for God, you're going to be challenged. Any time you make up your mind to say, I'm going to have a prayer life, I'm going to tell you you're going to have physical inconveniences. Any time you begin to make a commitment that I'm going to be a worshiper of the Lord, you're going to feel pushback in your flesh. You're going to feel pushback and pressure from around you. When you make up your mind that I'm going to do a work for the Lord, that I'm going to serve the Lord, I'm going to be involved in ministry, you're going to face challenges, and many of them are going to be physical challenges that, you are going to, that you're going to encounter. But I'm going to tell you this morning that 
regardless of what comes our way, regardless of what physical challenges that you and I, we need to make up our minds right now, this morning, that I'm not going to be dissuaded from doing what is right, that if it's right to pray, I'm going to pray. That if it's right to be in the house of the Lord, I'm going to the house of the Lord. If it's right to be a worshiper, I'm going to be a worshiper. Praise the Lord. If it's not easy, you know what? A lot of people, they have adopted this mindset. Well, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it. That's because, I don't, I don't understand fully what this means. I think I do. But it's because we live in a cupcake generation. Snowflakes. Is that what they say? Snowflakes. Karens. And maybe I shouldn't use I don't know what Karens are all about. You got too many, too many people whining and crying and, oh, it's just not convenient for me to go to the house of the Lord. I'm just tired. I think I'll just sit back, sit this one out. But I'm going to tell you, anytime you say I'm going to live for God, you're going to face those challenges. And you're going to have to make up your mind, am I going to live for God or am I going to live for the world? Am I going to work through these sicknesses and afflictions and challenges so I can pray and so I can be a worshiper, so I can be in the house of the Lord? Or am I just going to sit back and, and just do my own thing and live for comfort and the ease of this world? Praise the Lord. There's more coming. The best is yet to come. And if you can't tell from the heart of this preacher, I'm just telling you, I'm just trying to get you to turn your eyes off of the world and on eternity. I'm trying to get you to change your focus onto something that's going to bless you. Because this world is going to leave you empty. What this world has to offer is not lasting. You might get a taste of pleasure for a little while, but it's going to, it's going to leave you empty. Praise the Lord. But once you step across the threshold into eternity... Once you enter in through those pearly gates and you fix your eyes on Jesus Christ, folks, it's going to be worth it all. And we're going to dance and we're going to praise the Lord. And you're going to think, well, that money wasn't mean anything. That job really wasn't that important. That activity wasn't really all that, that vital. But when you get to heaven, that's what it's going to be all about. So if you have to lay it down, lay it down. If you have to give it up, if you have to lay your pride down, get rid of that old stinking pride. That pride's not worth being lost over anyway. Imagine, imagine with me what the apostles were faced with. That early New Testament church, and yet they adopted the philosophy, it's alright, it's worth it. From the early days of the New Testament church, they faced, it op they faced opposition. They could have quit. They could have said, I'm going to go do something else. They could have went back to their old professions. They could have said, nah, it's really not worth it. But you read in Acts chapter 5, verse 41, those apostles, after they had appeared before the Sanhedrin council, as they were questioned and as they were persecuted, as, the, as the, the, they were being put under that pressure by the council, Acts 5.41 says they departed from the presence of the council, Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer the sh shame for His name. And daily, in the temple, in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. I want the world to know about Jesus Christ. Amen. I want them to know that there is hope beyond this world. And, and what happened in the early days of that church, I believe God began to allow persecution to come into that church. Number one, to see who was real. 
I think sometimes God allows people to, and, and Brother Wallace was teaching about this this morning, but I believe that the Lord allows people to get squeezed once in a while to see who's real. And number two, I believe the Lord allows people to get squeezed so that they'll get out of their comfort zone and they'll get the church outside of Jerusalem. Could it be that God is allowing some of us this morning to go through difficulties and being squeezed to see who's the real deal and to get us beyond what we're already involved in? Am I willing to be uncomfortable? Am I willing to endure persecution? Am I willing to take a stand? Or do I have to have comfort and ease the rest of my life and be accepted in the world? But the best is yet to come. Praise the Lord. It might get more difficult in fact, I think it's going to get more difficult. I think it's going to get more difficult for the, the church. If what we read in the 13th chapter of the book of Revelation, if it plays out and it comes to fruition, like many people believe, where it says that, that people will not be able to buy or sell, in other words, they will not be able to participate in the eco economy or the economic system unless they... Uh, take this mark of the beast. Unless they have an allegiance to the system. Unless they have an allegiance to the beast. The, an allegiance to the system of the world. That they will not be able to buy or sell things in this world. Are we willing to endure a little bit of hardship here on this earth so that we can have eternal riches in heaven? What, what if it comes to that? What, what, if, what if the squeeze is on America? What if the squeeze happens to, to people in the church? Are we just going to roll back and assimilate into the world? Ah, oh, well, are we going to take a stand? I, I read in the book of Revelation chapter 6 this week, it says when, in verse number 9, when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. The souls, don't miss that. He said the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the test of their testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And then notice verse 11, And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that they should be killed as they were. That should be killed as they were. That should be fulfilled. If we're not willing to endure a little bit of ridicule from people on this earth, how are we ever going to stand when true persecution happens? If you have to stand, it's going to be worth it. If you have to take a stand, it's going to be worth it. So we're, we're pretty, we got it pretty easy right now in America. But if the squeeze comes on us, and we have to endure some things, it's going to be worth it. Every trial, every test, every person that talks about you. Heaven is more important than having people talk, worried about people talking about you. Going to heaven is more important and wonder what people think about you because of how you dress. It is more important to go to heaven than to worry about stuff like that. It is more important to go to heaven 
than to worry about the difficulties and the struggles and the challenge because the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. So continue. Continue in the things that you have learned and been assured of, knowing that whom thou hast learned them and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now is not the day. Now is not the time to start throwing away consecration and standards of holiness. Now is not the time to set those things aside so we can have a little bit of comfort in this world. But if there's ever a time for the church to stand up and be righteous and be godly in this present world, God has given us the grace so that we can do it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I like what Corey Ten Boone said. She said, when we are on the beach, we only see a small part of the ocean. However, we know that there is much beyond the horizon. We only see a small part of God's great love, a few jewels of His great riches. But we know that there is much more beyond the horizon. The best is yet to come when we see Jesus face to face. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to tell you, stand up here and tell you that you're never going to have a trial or a challenge. I'm not going to stand up here and wish... Just tell you you're never going to be, or you're never going to have any kind of problems. I would be lying to you if I did. But I can tell you this that all things work together for the good to them that love God who are called according to his purpose. I wrote this in my notes. It's not grammatically correct. But God's good is gooder than the world's good. God's good is gooder than the world's good. So let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will receive you unto myself. That where I am there, you may be also. We've got to go to heaven, folks. We can't be distracted right now. There's better things ahead of us. Praise the Lord. And when the Lord says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, I just got to thinking yesterday, I can't wait to see what God has put together in the heavens. I've seen pictures of the Grand Canyon. Maybe one of these days I'll go. I've seen pictures of the Grand Canyon. I've seen the, the magnitude of the oceans as I flew over in an airplane. I've, been to, I've seen the majesty of the Rocky Mountains. I've been there a couple of few times. I've, I've looked at the stars in the night and had the beauty of the, of the nighttime sky. I've seen that. I've, I've crossed the Mississippi River numerous times. I've been to the continent of Africa. I've seen parts and bits and pieces of what God has put together. But if God can do all of that... What does the Creator have in mind for us when we get to heaven? What's it going to be like? How beautiful heaven must be. Sweet home of the happy and free. So don't trade it, my friend. Don't trade it. Don't, don't trade something you can get in this world. Don't trade something, some kind of acclaim or popularity in this world for your eternal soul. It's not worth it. It's amazing to me what people give up for a little bit of worldliness. Many people have given up a relationship with their Heavenly Father so they could live it up in this world. But how many people have traded the security of a relationship with their Father for temporary pleasures and they're risking losing their eternity so they can acquire something in this world? Praise the Lord. It's not worth trading at all. Hallelujah. Stand with me, please. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for hope. 
Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Hallelujah. There's joy out in front of me. Because the best is yet to come. The best is still in front of us. So every wall that crops up and every difficulty that arises in my life and every hindrance that I have to deal with, praise the Lord, it's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth it all when I go through heaven, when I hear the Lord say, well done, you need to make your calling and election sure. If it's been a long time, let me just talk to the saints of God for a minute. If it's been a long time since you prayed through, if it's been a long time since you stepped through the portals of, of heavenly things and you let God wash all over you afresh, if it's been a long time since you got lost in worship and praise, if it's been a long time since you prayed until the Lord began to speak in tongues through you, if it's been a long time since you stepped into that dimension, it's time, my friend. It's time. It's time to pray. It's time to worship. It's time to live for the Lord. Hallelujah. The best is yet in front of us. Praise the Lord. And I, you know what I would contend? I would contend this. That we already have the best. Living in the church, we already have the best. Because we already have peace that passes understanding. We already have joy unspeakable and full of glory. We already have the, the comforter dwelling on the inside of us. We already live and walk in the anointing and the favor and the blessings of the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so my prayer this morning is, Jesus, I'm not withholding anything. Jesus, whatever you want me to lay down, Lord, would you, lay, would you help me? Would you give me the courage? You know what I'm afraid of sometimes is that we become so engrossed in life and we become so wrapped up in the things of this world that if Jesus was to come knocking on our door, I'm afraid that some of us wouldn't even hear Him knocking. That we would not even be able to hear His voice because we're so tied to things in this life. But my other concern is that if, if we do hear the voice of the Lord, that we would not have the courage to step out. There is nothing more important than your eternity with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I want you to worship the Lord. I want you to pray with me this morning. I want you to lift your voice. I want you to lift your hearts to the Lord. I want you to let the Holy Ghost speak to you this morning. I want you to let the Spirit of the Lord direct you this morning. This is not about the preacher. It's not about the music. This is about the Holy Ghost speaking to hearts and lives. And whatever the Lord may direct you to do, or give up, or speak, or say this morning, follow His leading. If the Lord is telling you to find a place to pray, or kneel, then pray. If the Lord's telling you just to stand there and bask in His presence and let Him wash over you, then stand there in His presence this morning. Whatever the Lord is telling you, whatever the Lord is prompting you to do this morning, heaven is worth it. Heaven is worth it. No grudge, no bitterness is worth losing eternity. No accomplishment, no possession is worth eternity. So here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Whatever you have for me, Lord. Let's take a few moments here this morning. Talk to the Lord. Pray. In the name of Jesus, touch this congregation this morning, Lord. 
Touch us, O Lord, in a special way this morning, Lord. Stir our hearts, O Lord. God, if we have become too comfortable in the things of this life, change our focus this morning to eternal things. Lord, if we have become too attached to people and activities and things in this life, oh God, direct us this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The Lord is here this morning. The Lord is working. The Lord is directing us today. Nothing less, oh God, than what you have done for us. God, you gave everything. You so loved the world. You gave your life. You gave your everything, oh God, for us. This morning, oh Lord, we give ourselves back to you and dedication and consecration. God, we give our hearts and our minds, oh Lord, we give our energy, we give our talent.